I'm back in Philly now. You guys are down in Florida with the team. And uh, there was some news this week, obviously, with Mike Trout signing his contract extension. Scott, you, you talked to Bryce Harper today about that contract extension. Were you surprised that Mike Trout didn't test free agency? Or I guess from what you wrote that you, you never really seemed like it was going to happen anyway, that he was going to end up in Philly. Yeah, I mean, I uh, the sense that I got just from people around the game that I talked to is that nobody or very few people in baseball were surprised, um, let's put it that way, that, that he didn't get to free agency. Um, I think the prevailing opinion um, from the people I surveyed yesterday was you know, that you can't trade, if you're the Angels, you, you can't let the Babe Ruth of his time, the Mickey Mantle of his time, walk away. And, you know, one person even sort of uh, used a more modern comparison and said it would be like when the Edmonton Oilers traded Wayne Gretzky. You know, you can't let the face of your of your sport uh, leave. And, you know, I, I was surprised. Uh, if only that it happened now. I thought maybe it would happen a year from now or, or even six months from now. I didn't think it would be this, this soon. But, uh, you know, I sort of felt like at the end of the day, Artie Moreno was not going to go down as the next Harry Frazee and who sold Bitty Bruce, you know, or the next Peter Pocklington, the guy who traded Gretzky. He was going to get this done and keep his guy. And so, you know, that's the feeling that I think most people in baseball had. And, you know, I guess if you had asked me a week ago, I, I would have said, you know, I, I think Trout's going to end up staying with the Angels. But, you know, it's just a matter of when. You know, the, the way you said that you didn't think it was going to happen now, maybe a couple months from now, made me think that maybe the Phillies put the pressure on the Angels to get this done and then not to not push this off for another year. Because I think everyone seemed a little bit caught off guard. That that would happen, Bob. What, what did you? What did you? You're you're from South Jersey. You you know how, what Mike Trout's thinking, right? We both speak the same language. We both say you a lot. Uh, my, I I was surprised that like like Scott that it happened right now. I just think, but I also believe when I heard the number, I was like, how do you say no to four hundred and thirty million? A hundred million dollars more than the than the record just set by Bryce Harper. Uh, 30 seconds ago. I mean, I don't care who you are or where you're from. When somebody offers you that kind of money, you have to say yes. And, you know, and it's not like the Angels are this team, you know, like the Marlins signed Giancarlo Stanton. You said, what are they doing? Because, you know, they're never going to be committed the way they need to be to make a guy like that happy. The Angels, Artie Marino is a guy who's known for spending money. He's been – He's kind of been the Ed Snyder of uh, baseball in terms of chasing things for a long time now, a uh, long time since they won in 01, you know, uh, or 02, I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, when when somebody comes at you with that kind of money, if you're Mike Trout, you say yes. And if anybody from Philadelphia is upset about that, uh, too bad. You know, maybe Artie Moreno was a little concerned that John Middleton was uh... – infringing on his Steinbrenner, you know, reputation. Let's let's face it, Moreno's the guy who signed Albert Pujols, right? He's the guy who signed Shohei Otani. So, you know, you're right, Bob. These are moves he's made before. Uh, and so, you know, now that I think about it, I mean, the notion that he was ever going to let Mike Trout get away, that that was sort of laughable now. And, 
and and like I said, it was just a matter of time. The only thing that was disappointing to me about this whole thing is that it happened now, uh, as opposed to a year from now. Let's say the Angels stunk again this year and Trout hadn't signed yet. Now we were going to start to at least think about what a trade for Mike Trout might look like. And while I still don't think the Angels ever would have entertained it, um, it, it would be something that, you know, I, I was told that when you called the Angels to ask about Mike Trout, uh, they hung up the phone fairly quickly, and that was pretty consistent for them really throughout the past few years. But if they'd gone another year uh, and without locking him up, they might have had to actually have those conversations. And what on earth does, it, does a trade for Mike Trout look like? So we'll never know now, but uh, it would have been interesting if, if this had gone on a little longer, and now all of a sudden uh, we could start to fantasize about what a trade for him might, might have looked like. But the other thing I think to to – not dismissed here is it's still incumbent upon the Angels to win despite his despite Marina's willingness to spend money. Their their farm system it's, it's recovered some, but it had gone into disrepair for for a while there. He still needs to win because at some point, you know, Mike Trout could be happy now, and you know it's just, it's the same thing with Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, five years from now, if they're still good players, uh, or four years from now, if they're still good players on bad teams. These contracts aren't going to discourage a team from, you know, trying to get these guys. You know, if if they're if they're in a position where, hey, the Phillies and Angels are bad teams at that point, they could be saying, let's 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 move on and see what we can get for these guys. So, you know, just because these contracts are for this long, Stanton did get traded. Obviously, the Marlins are a little bit different uh, organization than the Angels and Phillies, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that one day these guys do get traded off these contracts. When is the appropriate time that we can start writing about Mike Trout signing with the Phillies because and to, to play that final year with Bryce Harper's contract? Yeah, you know, um, Harper was actually asked about that today. Uh, someone made a joke like, well, you can still play with them in 2031. And I don't think Bryce had done the math uh, exactly because he sort of laughed about it and said, man, if I'm still playing then, you know, I'll probably be home then. And, you know, like, it was like, no, you'll have one year left. And so, you know, you know, they'll be, what, 38 and Trout will be a couple years older, I guess, or whatever. I mean, so, yeah, let's, let's, let's start writing those stories now, um, you know, about trying to get these guys together. I'm hoping you wrote the story today that Bryce Harper does not expect to play out his contract in Philadelphia and will retire before the 13 years. Sadly, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> I just wanted to add this before we move on from, from Trout. I was in, uh, I was actually down in, uh, in the east coast of Florida yesterday, uh, this, earlier this week, uh, to talk to, uh, to cover the Phillies Astros game that didn't get played. But during that, I was in the, uh, Nats clubhouse as well because they share a facility with the, with the Astros and, I didn't get a chance to talk to Anthony Rendon because he, he said he would come back and talk to me. He never did. Uh, but all of a sudden, he's the he's He was negotiating his name. contract. Right. He's, well, he's the biggest name on the market, you know. And, Bob, I'm going to keep this with you because I think you're the foremost expert on video games. And I know I know you play Fortnite a lot. Not a lot of people know that. But what did, what did you make of the ESPN story this week that – 
the, some Phillies were supposedly playing Fortnite in the clubhouse during a game last year, at least according to Carlos Santana. Well, I guess I'm old because I have no idea what Fortnite is. <laughs> uh, have either of you guys ever played it? I, I'm, if I was going to bet on one of the two, I would bet on you, Breen. I, I, I'm ashamed to say I, I haven't played it, but I, I'm well aware of what it is. I have friends that play it. I do play video games. If this was like Mario Kart or Madden, I, I'd probably be, I would be in the clubhouse not writing my story playing the game. But I, I didn't. I'm not a Fortnite guy. If, uh, if they had Atari um, in the press box, I'd play that during games, but that's about as far as I come. Well, it's it's a weird situation, though, because, you know, it, it just it can't go on. And I don't blame Carlos Santana for being upset, it, no matter what time of the season it was. It sounds like it was very late in the season, maybe the last weekend of the season, uh, you know, and they were out of it. Uh, the games no longer had any meaning other than maybe trying to finish in second place rather than third. But you have to be fully engaged when your team is your your team is on the field. There's no excuse for 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 something you know for playing a video game while your team is playing an actual game on the field. Uh, and you know, Gabe Kapler refused to say that he knew this happened. You know. And there was a lot of deniability going on here. Um, but it's, it's not too big a deal because this team has turned over a lot. Uh, and it's, it's a new season. Um, but it, it, it needed to be addressed and firmly. And Gabe Kapler has to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. And not just Gabe Kapler, but the, the, the leaders of this team have to say, Hey, you know what? We're not going to stand for this. We're all about winning here, and that needs to be the the approach that that takes place from going forward. Yeah, I'll say this: uh, it doesn't put Gabe Kapler in a good light um, if this was going on in his clubhouse and he was unaware of it. Um, you know, that to me is kind of the the shame of all of this. Is that um, you know I talked to a lot of players about it on Monday, and Jay Carrietta, for one, denies that. Uh, it ever happened during games, or at least he said he doubted that it ever happened during games, that it was more uh, before games, and maybe it got a little bit too close to game time for some players' comfort, um, that that maybe there were some players who might have thought, and maybe Santana was one of them, that it was getting a little too close to the game for guys to still be playing video games, but Arietta doubted that it happened during games. Regardless, you know, I think uh, it makes the manager look like he's a little bit uh, detached from his players or from his clubhouse to not know uh, what's going on. And I know Gabe Kapler likes to let the players police themselves, but uh, he doesn't come off looking great in this whole thing. And, you know, that's the, the main reason, I think, why um, uh, why the story blew up as it did. And I'll, I'll just add this, too. I think people were wondering, at least judging by – uh, my Twitter feed and some things that I, I've been hearing uh, from others that, you know, uh, how did how did people not see this and, and how was this not, how was this missed by all of us, you know, who cover the team or who are in the clubhouse? And, you know, I'll say this, that, you know, the Phillies clubhouse has like 10 rooms, right? And nine of them are not accessible to us. That We can't, we can't even walk by most of the rooms in that clubhouse. Um, they're not in our they're not in our view and 
and and whatnot. And so this was not like it was happening out in the open, in the middle of 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 where the lockers are. And also, if it was happening during the games, no one is allowed in there during games. So, you know, they did have a team meeting about this um, uh, that last weekend of the season, the day after, I believe, uh, Santana smashed those televisions. Uh, and it was, it was, from what I understand, it was uh, like the instructions were, this doesn't get out, we don't talk about this. I don't know why Carlos Santana decided to discuss it now, but... You know, I think it was late in the season. Everybody was kind of ready to go home and checked out, and it wasn't happening in the full view of, of anyone, including apparently the manager of the team. In fairness to uh, to Santana, I believe he was asked about it, and I, by, by Jeff Passan, who wrote the story, I think. So that's I, I don't think he just came out and he was actually like flat out asked, you know, did you do this and why? Why? And you know, to his credit, he told the truth about it from his side. And the, the other point that another player made to me was um, he finds it difficult to believe this player said that it could have happened during the game because according to again according to this player the the, the clubhouse televisions were where they would apparently and again I've never played Fortnite I don't know what's required to play the game but the televisions that you would play the game on or that they that they played the game on before games are being used during the game by the R&D people and the analytics people who apparently are in the clubhouse during the game watching the game on the televisions that they would use to play Fortnite. So this particular player who didn't want to uh, put his name to any of this told me that he finds it difficult to believe that it could have gone on during the game and, and that's their story. At least um, that's the way they're defending themselves. Very interesting. And uh, I think we all knew that Fortnite was going on, was being played a lot last year. I remember Nick Williams said on opening day that when he talked about the lineups being created by computers, that, it was it, the one good thing about it was that it gave him time that he didn't notice to stay up late the night before and play Fortnite till four in the morning or something. And then we knew Jake Arrieta said after I remember a game in Dodger Stadium, he couldn't wait to get back to the hotel. And after he, he pitched really good against the Dodgers and all this adrenaline, he was going to use that to play Fortnite all night. So it was like it was a theme that these guys were playing. But did I know that they were playing in the clubhouse or did you guys know that? No, there was no way to know that. And, and now it comes out because a player was isn't, who's not here, not in Philadelphia anymore, is the one that was like Bob said was asked about it. So it makes sense. Didn't David Price have a thing last year where he like got carpal tunnel syndrome or something from playing Fortnite, or he had some kind of he had to miss a start? That was the first time I ever heard of it. So I mean, I know it's a popular game among the you know the the millennial set, the Breen generation, but uh, but yeah, I mean that was. That, Bob, maybe you and I need to get in on this. Like, you know, after games next season, you and I will go back somewhere and play Fortnite. I certainly need to get carpal tunnel syndrome. I know that. I, I think, like you were saying, referring to the, that, if if does not shine light, positive light on Gabe Kapler, I, I agree. I think the pressure already was on Gabe Kapler coming in this year. And because the Phillies clearly made it a priority this offseason to win, like, like Gabe said on the podcast last week when he was filling in for Bob. That uh, <laughs> that it, they there wasn't time to develop anymore. This was it was time to win. So I think already the pressure's on Capor to win, and now he can be judged by wins and losses. But also he's going to be judged by the way he controls the clubhouse. And, and this is just now now you have something almost hanging over from last season, even though it did happen at the end of the year when there's a lot of guys on the roster when the season was over, they were eliminated from playoff contention. 
second to last game of the year. But I, I think it's still, you know, Gabe Kapler is not, not I'm going to say he's on the hot seat, but it's definitely, it does not bode well for, uh, it, it does not play well for him to have this happen last year. And I think Reese Hoskins made it a point to say that this doesn't, this that doesn't reflect on Gabe Kapler. He's a great leader and hype them up. And I know Bryce Harper's had good comments about Gabe this week, but it's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Bob, what do you um, what do you think about the way that this kind of reflects on Gabe, like Scott was saying? Uh, like I said earlier, I I, I think it doesn't. Ref- I agree with Scott that it doesn't reflect well because it's his job to to manage that clubhouse, and as Scott says, he likes to keep a loose clubhouse. But at a certain point, you know, I actually had dinner last night with a scout friend of mine, and we we both know Jim Fergosi very well. Um, and he said, what would Jim Fergosi have done if he found out that somebody was playing Fortnite during a game? And it was, we both laughed. And he said, that, that would not have gone over well. He would not have handled them the same way Gabe Kapler did. It would be more like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> No, but Jim Fergosi and, and, oh, my God, if Larry Bowen had walked in on somebody playing Fortnite, the Smash TVs would have been least of it. So to to wrap this up, Bob, I was talking yesterday when we were playing out the podcast. I wanted to do a little look at the NL East, and I think we can eliminate the Marlins from contention. But the four other teams are are really – you could say either – any of those four really could win the NL East this year, at least in my opinion – Scott, who do you see as the the favorite of the NL East, and 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 who is the biggest um, competitor to the Phillies? It's got to be the Marlins. No, I'm just kidding. Sixto um, <laughs> Sanchez for the Cy Young Award um, in in 2022. Uh, 2035, you know, when Mike Trout yeah. playing for the Phillies. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean it's it's really. I, I think. I think the Washington Nationals are still a really, really good team, even without Bryce Harper. Um, I, I go back to the general managers' meetings uh, back in November when the news leaked out that the Nationals had, had offered Harper that 10-year, $300 million uh, extension, and he turned it down. And Mike Rizzo, um, I was standing with Mike Rizzo and a few other reporters, and um, he was asked point blank, like, do you think that um, – you know, do, you know, do you think that you guys could possibly be be a better team without Bryce Harper? Um, and he said, you know, I don't – I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something to the effect of I, I'm not comfortable saying that we're better without him, but I, I am comfortable with saying that I like, I like our team. And you look at their outfield, and, you know, Juan Soto, Adam Eaton, and Victor Robles is still not a bad outfield. And, and their rotation is still, on paper at least – the best rotation in the division between Scherzer and Strasburg and now Corbin, uh, that one, two, three is pretty tough. I, I still think they're going to be very good. I, we all know that they underachieved last year. Um, we all know that they've underachieved really for the last several years. If you, if you factor in that they've never won a playoff series, that's underachievement to me for, for as good as that team has been. So I tend to think that, that they still might be the, the main threat, uh, to the Phillies. I think the Braves are still going to be good. I mean, how do you not? They're they're the defending division champs last year with 90 wins, and they added Josh Donaldson, and they kept Nick Markakis. So, you know, 
Uh, and they added Brian McCann, who's a still a uh, halfway decent guy behind the plate and a good character guy in the clubhouse. Um, so I think that that's still a very good team. And the Mets, you know, I think will be better, but I'm confused by the Mets a little bit in terms of some of the things they've done. Uh, I don't really – I don't see that puzzle yet and, and how that's all going to fit. So I, I put them kind of in that in the next, you know, behind the other the other three teams. But for me, it's 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 anyone's race between the Phillies, Braves, and Nationals. And I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of those two teams, well, at least one of those three teams, ends up with the wild card. Uh, and uh, and you've got you know two NL East teams in the playoffs. In fact, I would be surprised if if at least two NL East teams are not in the playoffs. I'd be surprised too. I think you're right. I think a wild card is definitely coming from the East. Bob, we have a good idea who the Nationals are. The Braves obviously won the NL East last year. We know a lot about them. The Mets, did they Mets? Did they they didn't add enough, or did they add enough? But they also have the starting pitching. What do you what do you make of the Mets? Uh, well, the scout friend I talked to uh, yesterday happens to scout the Mets, and he said it looks good this spring, uh, but he just thinks they are a little short depth wise. Uh, that that you know they're a team that. If they stay entirely healthy, they got a shot. But if they suffer two or three injuries or one of those top three pitchers, Wheeler, DeGrom, or, or, uh, or Thor goes down, that they got some real problems because they're, they're just, they're just short in that respect, uh, to begin with. And they're really, they're, they really are short after those three guys. The thing they've really improved is their bullpen. Getting familiar back and getting Diaz from the Mariners were, was a, were, were two great pickups for them. They're a better team. I think they're definitely a better team. Um, you know, I, I, it was funny because I, I talked to Ryan Zimmerman yesterday from the Nationals and, uh, and he was saying, you know, this is the way, this is the way I've always wanted baseball to be. There's four good teams in this division. I, I can't remember ever being more excited about going into a season. Because, you know, teams are supposed to try to win and there, and there are four teams in our division really trying to win. Uh, and, you know, he, and he ended up saying, I like our team. He said, I'm not going to say we're the favorites, but I like our team a lot. Um, but if I had to pick the two top ones, I would say probably the Phillies and the Nationals. Uh, the Braves are running into some pitching woes early in the season. They didn't really do, they got Donaldson, who's, who, whose health is iffy. Uh, but they didn't really do a lot to upgrade their organization. I mean, to upgrade their major league roster, uh, and already experiencing some pitching problems. And I, and I wonder with their pitching, did some of those guys overachieve? Now, supposedly they've got, they, they do have pitching depth and a, and a strong farm system, but you know, you're, you're always a little leery of that till you see the guys actually prove that they can do it at the big league level. But I, you know, and, and if we're going to talk about the Phillies, the thing that still scares everybody about the Phillies is their, their own pitching and particularly their own starting pitching because it's obviously been a disastrous, uh, I wouldn't say disastrous, but a bad spring training so far for Vince Velasquez, you know, and those bottom three are, are huge question marks. And, and Arietta's a little bit of a question mark too with the way he finished last season. So if there's a reason to question the Phillies, it's obviously pitching. So, so you have the Phillies and the Nationals at the top of the NL East, but who's who's winning now? Who's winning the NL East? Uh, if I had to pick right now, I think I would pick the Nationals. The Nationals, Scott. Who do you have winning the NL East? I agree. 
Um, I agree. I think they're they're still the best team in the, in the division all all around. Um, you know, you, you talk about the Braves pitching, right? Fultonevich is is hurt now, uh, or is going to be, I guess, delayed a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not in love with their pitching, just as I'm not I'm not sold on the Phillies pitching either. And I've got I guess I've got more of a question about the Phillies pitching and the Braves pitching than any aspect of the Nationals team whatsoever. So. I just think the Nationals all around maybe have the best the best team or the or the most complete team and I just think they're still the team to beat. I will say that if any team in the NL East could have afforded to lose Bryce Harper like you alluded to earlier, definitely with the Nationals. But I'm gonna pick the Phillies to win the NL East. And you know, I don't know what how that makes me look since both of you guys went against the Phillies, but we all can't agree. So I'm gonna pick the Phillies. Want me to tell you how it makes you look? How's it make me look, Bob? I, I uh, like you too much, Matt. I like you too much. I'm not going to tell you how it makes you look. Thank you. All right. Enjoy Florida. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks a lot.